This is just getting out of hand at this point. I mean, this is far and away beyond or really below anything we saw in the 2000, in 2007 leading up to the 2008 monetary crisis. And it's not some trivial thing either, not some small factor that we can all just continue to ignore. In fact, last year, Federal Reserve officials, including Jay Powell, pointed to this very thing and said, hey, we pay attention to this. Well, he better start paying attention to it. I'm talking, of course, about interest rate forwards and interest rate forward spreads. Again, not some trivial part of the marketplace. In fact, this is the monetary system or those operating inside of it telling us what they think about the current condition as well as what the risks of the current condition are and even more helpful, what that's likely to mean in the near term as well as the intermediate and longer term. Now these forward spreads, and I've mentioned them before, obviously there's, there's Euro dollar futures or there used to be Euro dollar futures, now there's three months SOFR futures. Those are massively inverted, way, in, way beyond anything we saw in 2007. We've got the near-term forward spread as I've talked about before. That's the one Jay Powell said last year. We don't pay attention to the yield curve inversion. We pay attention to the near-term forward spread. There's also nominal treasury curve forward spreads and forward rates too. Any way you look at it, the marketplace is all saying the same thing, that when interest rates, or interest rates are almost certain to go lower and almost certain to go lower relatively soon, and that when they do, they're going to go a lot lower. And the market is more certain and more a lot lower part than it had been at any time in 2007, which raises all sorts of questions. What does this mean? that the market is more certain about rates going lower in 2023 than it was in 2007 leading up to what we all know today became the 2008 monetary crisis. So there's something important going on in these forward markets and we really need to get to the bottom of it, especially since some of these forward spreads, first of all, they were already in you know, positions or levels that we hadn't seen since the 19, early 1980s. So that's already an alarm bell, far in advance of anything in 2007, 2008, as well as maybe even more important, they've gotten much worse since the uh, March events in Silicon Valley Bank and Credit Suisse. The near-term forward spread, for example, which had fallen to its lowest level since the early 1980s in the immediate aftermath of Silicon Valley Bank, it's only gotten even worse ever since then. Even though policymakers, politicians, the financial media, they all continue to assure us that this, what's going on in the banking system and the real economy too, it's all nothing to worry about. Maybe a mild recession at the most. Even that's going to just help Jay Powell and his inflation fight. We don't have to worry about more banks. Even if more banks do fail, the Fed's got it all covered. And yet, all of those things, we get we get told that constantly all over the place, and the market continues to get worse and worse and worse, which tells us in the context of these forward interest rates, rates are going to go lower, more likely to go lower, and more likely to go a lot lower as time goes on, even now in the middle of May, despite everything that has happened so far. The markets are more certain that there's going to be more stuff going on and more certain that there's going to be fallout from it, and doing so, pricing these things in a way that they were not as certain in 2007 leading to 2008. So we need to make some comparisons here and pull apart these two different periods and really to understand what there are as far as similarities and what maybe these differences in intensity and inversion can tell us about what we should expect 2023 heading into 2024, especially since all we've been talking about, certainly on this channel and in the marketplace, is a 2008 style scenario. How can we be worse than 2008 
in interest rate forward and interest rate forward swaps. Or not interest rate forward spreads. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, if you're interested, Eurodollar University has memberships available where we go over background detail, money, all the stuff that goes on in the Eurodollar system, not Eurodollar futures, but the Eurodollar system, which is still there, unfortunately, as well as research subscriptions, a daily briefing I contribute partnership with marketsinsiderpro.com. That's Stephen Van Meter and Tracy Shukart. You get the three of us together in a bundle. Also a deep dive analysis, which is at eurodollar.university, where I dive deep every day into topics like this. What's forward interest rates? What are forward interest rates mean? What is the monetary system doing and what will it, what it, will it mean for the future, near term as well as long run? All the information available, memberships and subscriptions at eurodollar.university. I think the right place to start in beginning to unpack these comparisons would be in 2007, because as I mentioned, 2007, the markets were very concerned about the potential fallout, not just from the housing bubble in the US, but the implications for the wider monetary system. Whereas today, obviously, markets are even more concerned, not about a housing bubble, but the same types of things as, as what went wrong in the monetary system 15, 16 years ago. And if you remember, if you're old enough, you remember back in 2007, in the middle of 2007, there did appear for a couple months like we might get out of this thing. That after Ben Bernanke said subprimes contained, and it's, you know, it's laughable nowadays, but after he said subprime was contained in March 2007, well, the market didn't take his word for it, but over the next several months, as it looked like the economy was weathering the storm relatively well, as the marketplace looked like maybe there wasn't going to be more fallout from it, I don't want to say the markets became optimistic, but they definitely became a lot less pessimistic. The market that was really worried about fallout in the monetary system from the housing bubble became a lot less worried. And then, of course, the bottom fell out afterwards. But, well, here's what the Federal Reserve was talking about in June 2007, as the market became so much less pessimistic. And it's interesting because how, it's, it's interesting how policymakers today say they don't pay any attention to the market. And that's not true. As we see in this episode, they pay a lot of attention to the market and to the market curves when it fits their narrative. So this is June of 2007, Bill Dudley, of course, because it's always Bill Dudley, talking about the rise in nominal treasury yields and the flattening of the treasury curve out of its inverted shape. And he asked the FOMC, rhetorically of course, so how does one explain the rise in nominal real treasury yields and the increase in inflation break-evens? In my opinion, there is one very compelling explanation. Market participants generally believe that the downside risks to growth have diminished. And this has led to number one, a sharp shift in monetary policy expectations. And number two, a modest change in investors' assessment of inflation risk. I mean, look at this. He gets the market, he gets interest rates absolutely correct. So when the markets are on his side, suddenly he can interpret bond yields and bond curves in exactly the right way. Because he was right, as I mentioned before, interest rates began to rise from the low point in early 2007, consistent with a whole bunch of stuff in Countrywide and Bear Stearns hedge funds, and Ben Bernanke says subprime is contained. And the markets at that time were a little more willing to take Bernanke at his word. Because, I mean, today's subprime is contained is a laugh line. It's a complete joke. But back then, 
the Fed had a lot more credibility. And I think we're starting to zero in on the differences here. And Dudley was right. As those inversions started to disappear and dissipate, that was the market becoming a little bit less worried, a little, le little less overextended in the hedging because it did seem for a little while there that at the very least, the fallout from the housing bubble and everything that was going on in the monetary system, there was no immediate aftermath. And we have to also keep in mind that back in 2007, there was no template to follow. There was no, people didn't really have an idea of what a downside case might look like in that kind of situation. The worst that we had experienced over the couple of decades before then was something like 19, 1997 and 1998's Asian financial crisis, which was a dollar crisis in Asia, and really LTCM, which all things considered, especially in the United States and US dollar markets, wasn't really that big of a deal. So the markets were, were really uncertain as on uh, not just the upside, but as well as the downside. And here was Ben Bernanke, a guy that most people still took seriously, telling them that subprime was contained. And without any immediate aftermath or immediate impact from all the stuff early in 2007, you can see why the market became a little bit less pessimistic. And this extended to all parts of the market. Let's continue with Mr. Dudley here. Eurodollar futures. Monetary policy expectations as embodied in the Eurodollar futures market have shifted sharply since the last FOMC meeting. In May, a drop of more than 50 basis points in Eurodollar rates was anticipated to occur by the end of 2008. In contrast, Currently, the Eurodollar futures strip is virtually flat, indicating that market expectations are close to neutral through 2008. And this is something I've mentioned before, too. Some of those inversions, those near-term spread inversion Eurodollar futures back in 2007, those that had been steeply inverted in early 2007, they'll completely uninverted, too, right around the time that Mr. Dudley was talking about. Because, again, the market was uncertain as, the, as to the upside as well as what would the downside be? And what would, it would what would it take to trigger a downside case with no actual experience to draw upon? And you can see what he's doing here. He's taking a victory lap. He's basically saying the market was all worried about nothing. We said that we're not worried about the fallout from the housing bubble. And here these stupid market participants are finally agreeing that they got all concerned about nothing. They should have listened to Ben Bernanke. They should have listened to all the policymakers in 2007 who said, this is all a big nothing. And so the markets were finally coming around to that view. And in fact, one of the FOMC's policymakers actually said this. This is Kevin Warsh. Again, June of 2007 in this premature celebration. I'd say that we've gotten some credit from the markets for being stubborn and stubbornly right on our economic forecast, but they certainly haven't given us their proxy and I would not expect them to do so. They happen to share our views for now is what I would say. And I wouldn't expect that the situation to remain over the forecast period. Again, neither should our intention to be somehow to get these curves to match over the several of the coming several quarters. What he said was somewhat true. And even though he was a little bit more pragmatic about interpreting what was going on, they didn't follow their advice. Again, they're taking a victory lap here when just a couple weeks later, the entire bottom would fall out. All the stuff that the markets were worried about before this period in 2007 actually came to be true beginning in July and into August of 2007 and then forward into what became the global monetary crisis. 
So that, I think, gives us a couple different clues here. As I mentioned before, in 2007, there was no template to follow. Nobody really knew what a downside would look like. And nobody really could imagine that the downside would end up being what it was because that seemed so far-fetched. That seemed so out of line with, every, with not just experience, but everything that we could imagine. But yet, as things continued to progress in that direction, it became less and less difficult to imagine this, these downside cases, these severe downside cases, so that these inversions in yield curves as well as forward interest rate spreads, they came back with a vengeance later on in 2007 and into 2008. So that is one crucial difference. In, two, in 2023, we know what a bad downside looks like. And not only do we know it, we know what the signs are to look for. So whereas in 2007, the markets were sort of imagining what that could be and really having a bias, a positive bias toward nothing could really happen here, sort of a recency bias where we think that nothing bad has ever happened. So can something really bad actually happen? That recency bias is, is a very powerful, powerful factor in setting something like these, these market hedging rates, forward interest rates, as well as yield curves. Whereas in 2023, we have the 2008 style scenario, which is dependent upon or built upon what really happened in 2008. We know what we're looking for. We also know who not to trust. So as I started in the open here, what we have is forward interest rate spreads that are as inverted as we have. We haven't seen this since the early 1980s, far and away much bigger than anything we saw in 2007, 2008. Let's start with the near-term forward spread. The near-term forward spread takes the three-month treasury bill rate and compares it to the market rate or what the market thinks the three-month rate will be 18 months down the road. And just recently, the near-term forward spread, as I mentioned, minus 200 basis points. Absolutely ridiculous. And as I talked about in a recent video, there's a major difference now versus the early 1980s, the last time we saw the near-term forward spread this, this deeply inverted. Back in the early 1980s, you had inflation in incredibly high rates where the near-term forward spread was inverted way up here. It's inverted way down here where nominal rates are actually historically very low, which means we're in a very different set of circumstances. Back then it meant recession and still remains recession today, but a recession in the late 1970s meant actually like what Jay Powell says today about the recession or contraction in demand helping the Fed control inflation. Whereas a recession in this type of situation means deflation, 2008 style scenario. Back in 2007, the near-term forward spread or what we calculate the near-term forward spread would have been back then. Um, it got to roughly 75 basis points inverted early 2007, and then it would actually turn positive like a lot of other spreads in June back when Bill Dudley and Kevin Warsh were taking their victory lap before then falling again. But it never got nearly, near, anywhere near 200 basis points. Are the two-year fitted instantaneous forward two years hence, that hence rate that we've talked about before, that has dropped to minus 75 basis points right here in May, gotten worse since March, since Silicon Valley Bank. Again, that one was minus 35 basis points or so early in 2007 and then turned positive and actually turned quite a bit positive in the middle of 2007 before turning right around and collapsing. Now, we saw something similar like this happen just a couple months ago. Remember the January jobs report, early February, then the retail sales, the CPI, all the data that came out in February. 
that acted in, in a very similar way to that middle period in 2007, where the market said, maybe all those downside scenarios that we were imagining, the 2008 style scenario, before we got to Silicon Valley Bank, maybe those won't happen. And so you saw a lot of yield curve spreads. The yield curve started to flatten out again. Inversions started to go away. And some of the euro dollar futures and now SOFR futures, some of those spreads, the near-term spreads that were deeply inverted, they actually turned positive just like they had in June of 2007. And here's the difference. Those forward rates, even though they lessened a little bit, they never turned positive like they had in 2007. They stayed deeply negative, including the near-term forward spread, which suggested this key difference here. Unlike in the middle of 2007, the markets are more certain that interest rates are gonna go lower because they know what it is they're looking for. And all the things that would lead up to the 2008 style scenario that we know because we went through 2008, we can see them in the marketplace. So it was never about the outcome in 2023. It was always about timing. So the markets didn't get a lot less pessimistic like they had in 2007. They just got a little bit more uncertain about the timing. Where back in 2007, because there was no downside case to really, and the downside previous case to rely on, the markets weren't sure whether or not a 2008 would actually happen until, of course, it really did start to happen. Nowadays, we know what a 2008 looks like and we can see it happening. We're just not really sure about when it begins to happen. But with these near-term spreads falling as low as they have just recently, now several months after Silicon Valley Bank and Credit Suisse, again, it's even less about timing. It's not even about outcome. The markets are certain, more certain than we've ever seen, at least haven't seen in 40 years, that rates are going to go down and go down by a lot. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers, MarketsInsiderPro.com subscribers, and of course, all our Eurodollar University members. Until next time, take care.